your holy name. Amen. Amen. This morning, we are going to conclude our series that we have been in the book of Joshua. We have gone on a journey with the children of Israel as they were captured in slavery in Egypt. And we've walked with them from the night that they were able to leave until they got into the promised land. And we are now with them now where we're going to find the heart and the meat of the battle taking place. Through the last two series, we have seen this journey. The one we did with Exodus and now this one with Joshua. And it has brought us to a beautiful place and a beautiful story that I think is just as powerful, if not more, and more relevant to you and I today than the walls of Jericho. The walls of Jericho is very popular. There are kids' songs about it. There are songs on the radio about the walls of Jericho. But I have never heard a song about chapter 11. But we're going to dive into it today, and I believe that you may find that your life may relate. Because, I have a question, have you ever felt overwhelmed? Somebody, uh, just like Buddy did, say yes, say amen, say oh yeah, Pastor. If you've ever felt overwhelmed, at home, here in the room, say "Oh oh yeah. Come on now, preach it. Now why didn't anybody say that? Come on. All right. Well, you're going to help me today because I know this is going to be a very relevant message. Sometimes it seems everything around us is against us and it's just getting worse. Somebody say, oh yeah. yeah. There you go. Why would God allow such things to happen? Why doesn't He stop the stuff going in our life to overwhelm us? The sickness, the craziness, the pain, the, the mess, the, the load, the responsibilities, the stress. Why doesn't God just take it away? After all, He's God, right? He could do it, right? Amen? He could. But why doesn't He? I mean, He is God. Well, join us, join us now as we are going to dive into this chapter today to discover how when we're overwhelmed, it is the time for God to shine. What's been going on here is in, in chapter 9, as we were last week, we, we, we saw great truths in that. But as you continue on through chapter 9 and in, into chapter 10, you find that there are a lot of battles going on. They're going to this city and they're taking this city. They're going to that city and taking that city. And these battles are happening. If you like action and adventure, read chapter 10 and chapter 11. Because that is where the rubber meets the road. There are swords swinging everywhere and it is like... A man's paradise, action and adventure right there. But as we get to chapter 11, something takes place at the very beginning of chapter 11 that contrasts to everything that happened in chapter 10. In chapter 10, it is filled with victory on top of victory on top of victory. Man, they are the number one seed in taking the land of Canaan. They were knocking it out of the park. And then chapter 11 comes. And it seems that as they were were right at the point of seeing great victory in the land God had promised, the enemy decided to try something new. And we find that in the first uh, three verses, you will find a list of kings and people who decided, let's join forces and go against these Israelites. 
Because these Israelites are not just taking prisoners. They're killing everybody and destroying all the cities, and we can't have that. They are taking ground that God had promised them, and that's just not right. That's what the enemies were, were saying. So they got together, and they formed this alliance. There are a lot of things fighting against us, ladies and gentlemen. A lot of enemies that come into our life. And an enemy is simply that which overwhelms us. That which is fighting against what we're trying to become that God has called us to be. And that enemy could be yourself. It could be someone in your family. It could be a friend. It could be the culture. It could be your flesh. There's a lot of things that this could be. It could be your health. But today I wanted to find an enemy as that which seems overwhelming that's coming against you, that you cannot gain any ground on, that we cannot control. That's the enemy. I'm not simply just talking about the evil one, Satan, today. I'm talking about the enemies in our life that is trying to destroy us and we feel overwhelmed. It takes many shapes. It's called by many different names. Your enemy may not be the same as my enemy or the person next to you. But each of us has an enemy in our life that's fighting against us to keep us from becoming that which God has called us to be. How do we survive when we're overwhelmed? Well, as we look through this scripture, I think we're going to find some key elements. Charles Spurgeon said, Fear of God is the death of every other fear. Fear of God is the death of every other fear. Fear is natural, and when we're overwhelmed, it will come. So let's talk about the truths of the enemy as we get into this today, because the first three verses, you can just read all these Hivites and Perizzites and, and, and the, these Jebusites and these kings, Hazor and Madon and Shimron and all these different places, but I want to us to kind of get an idea of the enemy that's going on here because I think you're going to find some things to relate to your life and some truths that you're going to go, yep, I understand that. The first thing about the truths about the enemy is this. Write this down. You don't want to miss it. That enemies unite to destroy God's people. It's not just one thing in our life. It's going to be multiple things. How many of you have had several things come at you at one time that just seem to be beating you down? Say, oh yeah, pastor. It's happened to me. Where it's not just one thing that seems to be trying to knock you backwards, but it's two, it's three, it's four. Just as you think you're gaining ground in this place, there's two more things over here knocking you backwards. What happens is the enemy will unite to come together to destroy you because we have an enemy that wants to keep you from being what God's called you to be. That enemy is Satan. And he will use things. He will use natural things happening in your life to plant ideas in your mind that you just can't handle it, that you're overwhelmed. But the enemies unite to destroy God's people. We see this in verses 4 and 5. Read with me. Talking about all these enemies that came together. They came out... They and all their armies with them, as many people as the sand that is on the seashore, with very many horses and chariots. So all these kings, having agreed to meet, came and encamped together at the waters of Merom to fight against Israel. Can I give you a secret? Enemies will come together and unite to fight against a common enemy. 
There are things in our life, there are people in our life that seem to be at odds with one another, but if they join forces because they see you as an enemy, they're going to come together and they're going to attack you. Somebody just say amen because you've seen that. I've seen it happen where two people you think, they're not getting along, but yet when they decide that you're the enemy, they come together and they seem like best of friends. Here's what's going on in this scripture. There are enemies coming together. There are people that did not get along. After all, you were king of that city, and I'm king of this city, and you're king of that city, and you live over there, and we're trying to, to have as much as we can, but we're going to come together to defeat them. So, as we look at this today, I want us to pay close attention and understand the truth that it declares that enemies will unite to destroy God's people and God's work in your life. Second thing, and we can see this in verse number four. The enemies are overwhelming. The enemies are overwhelming. Let's look at verse four and see, see where that's at. They came out, they and all their armies with them, as many people as the sand that is on the seashore. Do you understand that that reference right there tells me that there were a lot of them? Do you understand that? They were overwhelming. There were so many of these people that came together that they looked like the sand on the seashore. When there was a spy that spied it out and looked, they were like, that's a lot of people. It was overwhelming. It was something that was beyond their abilities to, to take on and to handle and to deal with. The army that was coming was huge. And there's something else about this army that was new to the Israelites. Check this out. You may not have noticed this. Verse 4. They came out, they and all their armies with them, as many people as the sand that is on the seashore, with very many what? Horses and chariots. Up to this point, the children of Israel, have, they have not had to battle chariots and horses. And remember, they were not coming from a long line of warriors. The enemy was coming at them with something they hadn't seen before, they hadn't dealt with before, and it was overwhelming. Historians estimate that the Northern Alliance, all these kingdoms that had come together, had about 300,000 foot soldiers. They had 100,000 cavalry, and they had 20,000 chariots. Can you imagine topping a hill and seeing that size of an army joining together to defeat you. Can I say one word, overwhelming? It would have to overwhelm them. They seemed to be far superior than the Israelites, and they were staring at this face to face. And the enemy was real, and the enemy was coming. So, I want to go on to the third point here, because this is very interesting, because... We've read verse 4 and 5. I want us to look at verse 6. It begins in the New American Standard with the word then. Then the Lord said to Joshua. So what's the then? What happened before it? Well, it says in verse 4, They came out, they and, and all their armies with them, as many people as the sand that is on the seashore, with very many horses and chariots. So all these kings, having agreed to meet, came and encamped together at the waters of Merom to fight against Israel. Now all the enemy is together, and then the Lord speaks. Why did he wait? Why couldn't God have just done something so this would not be an issue in their life? 
Why couldn't God made their chariots have a flat tire on the way to the meeting? Why couldn't God cause them to get lost and their GPS get all messed up and they're not even together? Why couldn't God have caused them to be confused and fight amongst themselves and it create a problem? Why couldn't God have done that? God allowed this enemy and these enemies to come together to overwhelm the children of Israel. And then God spoke. So know this. The third thing is that the Lord speaks after the enemies assemble. And that is not uncommon. But why does that take place? Well, let me assure you of this, and somebody needs to write this down. It's always too soon to quit and give up. It's always too soon to quit and give up when you're overwhelmed. Don't stop. See, what's going on here is God has allowed this enemy to come together to overwhelm the children of Israel and for them to look out and go, this is just too much. And the Lord did that for a reason and for a purpose. And maybe He's doing that in your life. Because maybe you've questioned, why me, God? Why are you allowing all this stuff? Why are you allowing the enemy to to come together and overwhelm me? I feel so stressed and overwhelmed. I can't handle it. It's too much. Maybe you're asking why. The reality is, is God wants to do something with that bigger than you ever thought possible. You would never know the hand of God and His power if you were never put into a position where only His power and His hand would deliver you. If He kept you from trouble, you would never appreciate or know the power of the hand of God. See, if it's always wonderful and nice and goody-goody, you would forget to say, God, thank you for protecting me. You would forget to say, God, thank you for providing for me. Because you'd begin to go, man, I got this big old bonus because I am such the great employee at work. They love me. I'm the best employee they got. It's all about me. And man, today I was so smart, I avoided an accident. We would begin to look at ourselves and see ourselves as God. God allows us to be faced with an enemy that overwhelms us so that He can move in such a way so that we will know who is God and who is not. So today, if you're faced with something that's overwhelming, an enemy that's coming at you, something that is absolutely more than you can handle, and you are totally stressed out, let me tell you today, you're right in the center of where God wants to work. Don't feel like that you've stepped over here into a miry uh, quicksand in a pit and you've stepped out of the way of God. God may be wanting to use you right there and do something you've never imagined. God does not speak. The Lord does not say anything to Joshua until the enemy has come together. So don't feel like God has abandoned you or left you. Somebody needs to hear that today. Because you have not heard from God in the midst of your trouble doesn't mean that God's abandoned you. He's waiting for that right moment so that when He speaks into your life, your ears are going to be open to listen. Because it could be that you're only wanting to hear one thing. God go, "Uh, I'll just take it away. You don't have to do a thing. 
And God may be waiting for you to say, God, whatever it takes, just move. And then he may say something that's going to require you to move to action. But until you're at that place, he can't speak. But we see in verse 6, Then the Lord speaks to Joshua. Then the Lord speaks to Joshua. Let's see what he says. Do not be afraid because of them. For tomorrow at this time I will deliver all of them slain before Israel. You shall hamstring their horses and burn their chariots with fire. Man, what a good news. That right there is some good news. Whenever the Lord comes to Joshua and says, By this time tomorrow, I'm going to deliver them all into your hand. The entire lot of them. And there's a bunch of them. It's too big. It is too, too much for you to handle. It is beyond your logic. But this time tomorrow, they're going to be delivered into your hands. But listen, number four is being scared is common. It's okay. Can I tell you it's all right that you're scared? There's nothing wrong with you and you're not in fear because you're overwhelmed and you're scared. Pastor, how can you say that? I believe Joshua was afraid. You want to know why I believe that? Let's just look in verse 6. Then the Lord said to Joshua, do not be afraid. Why would the Lord tell somebody not to be afraid unless they were afraid? They were afraid. God knows your heart. He understands you may be afraid and overwhelmed that it's too much for you to handle and too much for you to comprehend. But God not only understands it, but He wants to come to you and say, Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid because of that enemy that's coming against you or those multiple things that's hitting at you. For tomorrow at this time, I am going to deliver it into your hands. See, that is the good news that the Lord brought to Joshua, but it came at the appropriate time. And that appropriate time was after they were completely overwhelmed. We forget that, don't we? We want to live our lives so that we don't get overwhelmed or overstressed or, or, or we're not uh, uh, bogged down or, or just beat down. We, we don't like to be there. Anybody here just love stress? Love is it whenever you are just overwhelmed. There's just too much to do. If you do, why don't you be a pastor? Because that is right the tension you live in constantly, seven days a week, when you've got a family and you've got other responsibilities and you've got a ch- you constantly live. I live in that tension of being overwhelmed. I look at my to-do list and I go, well, I ain't getting all that to done today. And I imagine many of you feel the same way. But when you become so overwhelmed with the enemy, that is the very moment the Lord wants to speak something into your life. Because if the Lord had told Joshua in verse 1 of chapter 11, don't be afraid, Joshua. For tomorrow I'm going to to deliver you in about a week from your enemy. Joshua would have no context to understand the power of what God had just said to him. But because Joshua understood the context of the number of the enemy and how great and overwhelming they were, when God said, don't be afraid, Joshua was like, yeah, that's easy for you to say. And then God said, this time tomorrow, your enemy will be delivered into your hand. But God didn't stop there. He gave them something to do to obey. He said, you will will burn their chariots and you will hamstring their horses. They had something they had to do and obey. But here is the central truth I want you to get a hold of today. 
When you feel overwhelmed, there is a game-changing reminder I don't want you to miss. If you have things coming at you left and right and you feel like you just can't make it and just can't do it, there is just no way, let me remind you of this, that the Lord is the game-changer. He's the game-changer, no matter the size of the enemy. He changes the game. No matter how much you're overwhelmed, how big the enemy is, it don't matter if they number, they're as many as the sands on the seashore, the number of the stars in the heavens, or even if it's both. And you're so overwhelmed, you don't know which way to turn or which way to look. You don't know how to proceed. You don't know what to say. You're in the perfect place to be still and know that He is God. The Lord is the game changer, no matter the size of the enemy. Check this out in verses 7 and 9. The Lord says He's going to deliver them, and then He gives them some instructions. Once I deliver them into your hands, you need to hamstring the horses, and you need to burn the chariots with fire. Verse 7. So, so Joshua and all the people of war with him came upon them suddenly by the waters of Merom and attacked them. The Lord delivered them into the hand of Israel. So that they defeated them and pursued them as far as great Sidon and the Misphorothum and the valley of Mizpah to the east. And they struck them until no survivor was left to them. Joshua did to them as the Lord had told him. He hamstrung their horses and burned their chariots with fire. Sometimes the Lord allows the enemy to rise up and assemble against us, uh, against his people, against his children, in order that we may see his power on display. But God is not going to do it for you. Sometimes he wants you to take a step of faith to move forward. To simply say, well, if that's what you said, told me to do, Lord, then we're going to do it. Noticed, the enemy is revealed as Joshua and all the people of war came upon them suddenly. The enemy is right there in front of them. They're staring them face to face. They are overwhelmed. And instead of the children of Israel being overwhelmed, guess who became overwhelmed? The ones that became overwhelmed was the enemy. Because God worked and they were defeated. I don't know how big your problem is, but I can tell you this, that according to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 27, listen carefully, that God has put all things under His feet. Amen. You can say, well, my problem is not, not that big. I mean, there's other people with worse problems. Can I tell you something? What you see is a small problem. The other person you think has got a bigger problem, to God, they're both small. Because he's put everything under his feet. How many things? Everything under his feet. What about when the disciples were on the boat and they were out there and a storm came up? Jesus wasn't with them. And all of a sudden they look out and they go, Is that a ghost? We see someone walking. Peter speaks up and he says, If that's you, Lord, bid me to come to you. And you know what Jesus said? This is the Delonica version, okay? This is the Clyde translation. Well, just come on then. That's what Jesus said. He said, just come on. 
Now, I don't know. I've always pictured this, and I've always wondered. Did Peter try to dive into the water because it was water? Did he step off real slow off the boat and then go, wait a minute, that water, I can walk on this water. I don't know what happened, but we do know that when Jesus got out of the boat, he began to walk on the water toward Jesus. And there's still a storm going on. There's still trouble around them. It's bigger than they can handle. The ship is moving back and forth. There's rain, there's wind, there's thunder, there's lightning. But Peter keeps his eyes right on Jesus the whole time. The storm did not matter because his God was bigger than the storm. But he gets close to Jesus and all of a sudden he starts looking at how big the storm was. He started going, uh-oh, this is a really big storm, and the boat's way back there. Man, I am in trouble, and he began to sink. But you know what Jesus did? My God is so big right in the midst of that storm that he thought was bigger than his God. His God just reached down, and Jesus said, come on, son, you just get right on up here. Jesus is with you in the storm, no matter how big it is. The size of your enemy, the size of your problem, pales to the comparison of the size of your God. He is powerful, all-powerful, all-knowing. He's ever-present. He is bigger than your biggest problem, and He's bigger than your smallest problem. Even if the greatest enemy in your life is yourself, He's bigger than that. And God doesn't step back there and go, well, I give up on them. They're never going to learn. God never does that. He didn't do that with Peter. He's not going to do that with you. And can I tell you something? My God is bigger than an election. My God is bigger than the coronavirus. In fact, my God is so big, He knows every little virus, little whatever those things are called, however small they are, and you have to have a micron microscope to even see them. My God knows where every one of them is at right now. And my God can send an angel to protect you and kill that coronavirus before there is a vaccine. Because my God is bigger than the coronavirus. My God is bigger than COVID-19. My God is bigger than your financial issues, your health issues, your family issues, your, the, the culture, what's going on in this world. God is bigger than all of it, but we have to do one thing. We have to declare, God, you're bigger than all of it, and I'm following after you. I'm not following after the fears of this world, of the fears of this storm. I'm going to follow after the fear of you and do what you've asked me to do. Amen. That's the difference that this story makes. Why does this stuff come up? Why does this happen? Because God wants to be on display in your life like you've never imagined. If you grab hold of Him, what must we do? What must I do in the midst of being overwhelmed? Well, number one, I need to turn my focus to the size of my God rather than the size of my problem or my enemy or my sin, or my difficulty. We have to turn our focus to the size of our God. Because the size of the issues in our life will overwhelm us. But I want to remind you, our God's bigger than anything you're going through. Max Licato said this, Focus on giants and you will stumble. Focus on God and the giants will stumble. Whatever the giants are in your life, God wants those giants in your life so that His power can be on display, so that your faith will be increased to know only God can do that. If the problem is too big for you, 
It's just the right size for God. Let me say that again. If the problem is too big for you, then it's just the right size for God. And you leave it in His hands and you let Him deal with it. The difference is fear or faith. What will you do? You focus on God and God may say, here's what I want you to do in this situation. And you're going to have a choice to make. You're going to have to decide what you will do. Either take a step forward in faith or take a step back. What will you do? Feed your faith and your fears will starve to death. Something Max Licato said that's so good. Feed your faith and your fears will starve to death. Here's your seven-day challenge. It's going to be about feeding your faith. Some of you are going to be really challenged by this, and some of you are going to be able to knock it out in the next two minutes. But here is your seven-day challenge. Share a miracle with someone this week. Share a miracle. Tell someone about a miracle that God did this week. It may not even be in your life. Let me tell you something. If you want to feed your faith, start talking about how God's done miracles. Talk about how God has taken away cancer or healed a broken thumb. Begin to talk about how God healed a broken marriage headed for divorce. Begin to explain how the doctor said that I would never walk. But praise be to God, I can walk, run, and jump. I may not be the most athletic person on the football field. But I guarantee you I'll get out there and I can run. And I can participate some. And it's because of what God did in my life. So as you are looking for miracles this week, if you are looking, as you are looking for a miracle to tell this miracle, this story to someone, there may be a part of you that goes... Yeah, I don't know if this story is really true. That's okay. It's called doubt. Keep looking. Keep talking until you hear somebody tell you a story that absolutely, without question, you know how great our God truly is to do such a miracle. That's feeding your faith, and you're going to be feeding other people. Feed your faith with God's stories and defeat the fear of being overwhelmed by the enemy in your life. That's your challenge this week. Larry and Gina are going to come, and today we're going to sing during this invitation time, How Great Thou Art. Because let me tell you, some of us may think our problems and our issues and the enemy is great. But I'm here to declare to you today, according to His Word, according to my experience of of Him in my life, our God is greater. So we're going to sing today. After I pray, and I want you to do business with God. And I want you to move to a place where you and God are taking this serious. And you're confessing, you're allowing God to speak into your life, whatever it is today. From this. Bow your heads with me and close your eyes. Father, today we come to you. Lord, and I confess there are enemies, there are obstacles, there are trouble. There's trouble, there's difficulties, there's a whole myriad of things going on in this world and going on in our lives and in people's lives in this very room and people's lives who are watching online. 
people who are listening to this at a different time. Lord, there is stuff going on in their life and they're overwhelmed and they're overcome and they don't know what to do. But God, it's a perfect size and a perfect fit for you. So Lord, let us declare in faith today and turn our focus on how great you are and then move forward in faith and do what you've asked us to do. To move forward in faith and believe that you are bigger than any issue coming our way. Lord, today is the day. This is the moment. That the enemy will be dealt a blow in someone's life as they stand to declare how great you are. Father, may their spirit be fed today so that their faith may grow. Lord, for the one that does not know Jesus, who's wrestling and trying to just be good enough, trying to live up to a standard, trying to just hopefully make it into heaven, Lord, remind them right now, may the Holy Spirit just convict their heart, their mind to understand. It's not about do, do, do. It's not about how you look. It's not about how you dress. It's not about what you do or what you don't do. It's about what Jesus has already done on the cross. If it was about what we were doing, it would have nothing to do with Jesus on the cross. He never would have had to come. But Jesus came and he took on the overwhelming weight of sin, the overwhelming weight of trying to be good enough. He took that upon himself so that all we have to do is ask you to forgive us and take over our life. Yes, it's that simple, my friend. Today, if you are struggling with your life is of, of getting into heaven, of being righteous before the Lord, you feel that separation from God and you're convicted right now by the Holy Spirit, I just, I, I just want to give you this. Just ask God to forgive you and take over your life and you'll be a brand new creature. So right now with your head bowed and your eyes closed, ask Him, Lord, take over my life and forgive me all the wrong things I've done. Father, we give this into your hands, wrapped up with the bowl in Jesus' name. Amen.